exponentially, running through tackles in the backfield. Sean Wilson was like roadkill. And then Zach Moss from there showing explosive speed to take it the distance. 91 yards later. Welcome in. It is the Utah Post Game Show live on 97.5, Clover to the Zone of the Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen and Frank Dolce for your Utah Post Game Party, Party, Party. Where did where did that come well, from? Well, I've Hans? been waiting for a big time Utah blowout. You know, you never want to oh, throw that man. out when it's a close one or if it's uh, if it's a loss. You want to wait until you've got a significant, healthy. Uh, Gertie win, and that's exactly what Utah got. And Frank, what I'd like to do now is first of all tell people that we're at the point after bar and grill. It's at the sports mall. It is jam packed in here. People are having a blast, eating some great food, hanging out. So come down and you can hang out with us and see us. We're going to be here for a while. And then I want to just open up the mic to you, man. This was as dominant a performance as I've seen Utah have in a lot of years, and I want you to break it down where does this thing start where where did it start and how did they get off to the right foot and your takeaway from this game it was a dominating effort right from right from the beginning utah took control of the line of scrimmage tyler huntley able to throw the ball at will a running game that was led by zach moss and his five carries of work tonight and it was one of those games that just it it happened right up front and it was clear that Utah was going to to manage not only manage maybe even manhandle the the the, the line of scrimmage that's what happened i think yeah. that's what happened is that's that a really good point that that Zach you know Zach Moss typically Zach will will get into a game and and he gets hit a couple times behind the line of scrimmage and he's breaking tackles and then he makes something happen or or Huntley gets flustered out of the pocket or something and I just didn't see much of that tonight Zach Moss got through the line of scrimmage he was taking on linebackers not defensive linemen he was spinning off linebackers yeah and and there were receivers wide open and there were you know swing passes that it was like it was like playing catch out in the backyard there was there was no pressure yeah and they were going for chunks of yardage and we'll go over some of the stats as as we continue to go through this this post game show but i mean the yards per the yards per play utah racks up 500 yards of offense and and 13.7 yards per pass and 6.1 yards per rush. Wow. I mean. Collectively. They, yeah. They were just, it, and they controlled the ball. They did have the one one fumble that they lost. It was a kind of a, the mistake, and they gave up that late touchdown. But that was as dominating a performance by a Utah football team that, that maybe I've ever seen. And by the way, this is an Oregon. This this is the interesting thing. This is the Pac-12. Yeah. This is an Oregon State football team that should have beaten Stanford. Had them on the ropes. The same Stanford team that just beat Washington. Yeah. And Washington is regarded as, you know, at top two in the North Division, maybe top three in the conference. So it's just it's it's was very interesting to watch Utah perform tonight and the way that they 
completely managed this game on both sides of the ball right from the beginning. Well, this is also a team that beat UCLA, the same UCLA team that beat Washington State. Now, Washington State is getting beat up a lot. Yep. (laughs) So maybe Washington State's horrible and so is UCLA, but... Oregon State just knocked off UCLA yeah. by putting up a, a healthy amount of points. They put up 48 points against UCLA. Yeah. Uh, UCLA not playing a lot of defense, but it really this is this is a blank, man. This is a goose egg. And the second string and third string guys, they're going to get chewed out for giving up a score. I, I remember getting some of those cleanup minutes, and, you know, you don't want to give up the score. But that's not the storyline. The storyline is exactly what you started with, Frank. Both sides of the ball. Let's start with this. Yeah. Defensively, uh, Utah defers. You've got Oregon State taking the ball. Defensively, Utah comes out and they show a 4-3. They went to a 4-3. That's right. I I want you to talk about it. First of all, you called that the preview show. uh, And then talk about what you saw in that formation. Well, so this is an Oregon State team that – is committed to running the football. I like that. I mean, I like that, and that's I like the way that they're going to manage that, and hopefully they keep it up. But, but this is an Oregon State football team that that comes in and says we're going to establish the run game, and we're going to control the line of scrimmage, and we're going to keep possession of the football, and we're going to put ourselves in good third down situations because it's most important for us to continue to pick up first downs, continue to move the chains, and, and keep our offense on the field. And, and we're going we're gonna to be productive on first down, we'll be productive on second down, and then we'll have third and manageable, very manageable. I, I'm not sure where that the third and manageable. Let me just tell you something. You mentioned this in the pregame. This is an Oregon State football team on offense that is number one in the Pac-12 in third down efficiency. Yeah. And what are they in the, in the nation uh, number three in the entire nation. Number three in the nation in third down efficiency. They were. I'm they, sure they're going to plummet. They were two of 13 Wow. on third down tonight. Utah shut the door on them. Two of 13. My, my guess is a lot of those would be third and longs. Third, third, and, third and five plus. Because Utah, Utah got forced non-productive plays on first down and second yeah. down in your third and long. So the 4-3, Utah comes out with their traditional 4-3 because Oregon State says we're going to run the ball and Utah says no, no we're, gonna, we're not going to let you run the ball. Well, and it also showed that they didn't really respect slots or wides and they said, no, we, we, we've got linebackers that can man up that and give us run support. You mentioned that as well, that Utah was going to be more aggressive, a little more free-flowing on the defensive side, trying to get pressure on the quarterback and I believe because Utah felt like they had an advantage, a yeah. matchup advantage on the defensive side, where maybe they didn't have a, for the past few weeks, they had that advantage tonight, and it certainly played out the way that Utah thought it would play out in terms of the way that they, they put together the strategy for that defense. And then, you know, the execution, obviously really good by that football team. I've got a thousand things that I want to get into with you. I, my mind is going everywhere. I've got questions like let down, let down games because now you've got a ranked Arizona State and you just had this unbelievable win and you, you're coming off an Idaho State beatdown and you go in that USC mm. game. And, you know, there, there are all kinds of storylines. We'll get into those and I'll get some answers from you on those things. But I want you to talk about Tyler Huntley tonight. Give me some numbers. 
numbers, and then give me some of your thoughts on how he played in general. <laughs> I mean, this guy, Tyler Huntley, uh, he just continues to, to play at a level that, frankly, we all hoped he could achieve, but maybe we maybe thought at some point our expectations were too high. But here he goes again, 14 of 17, 247 yards. That's good enough for 14.5 yards per catch. That's average. I mean, that's fantastic. When you start getting over 10 yards per catch, that's really, really good. Two touchdowns, and once again, he's not thrown an interception in the game. And and that was just, I mean, the performance, the, the, the maturity that he's he's showing the the ability to stay in the pocket and complete balls downfield and not only that he's he's throwing you know difficult making difficult passes he is putting passes in areas where only his receiver can make a play past 20 yards in the air 20 yards downfield yeah so, I mean, this is kind of we're watching as, and I just, for, for, for that guy, I just hope he continues to progress. Man, we he's just, taken some huge steps, Frank. Huge steps, and we're just watching this right before our eyes as he, can, as he, he continues a, to get better. He is a much better quarterback. Much. He's a much improved quarterback. Well, he's already much hit. Much improved quarterback. He's a hit a height of quarterback play that I did not consider him to have in his body. I'm talking about pure quarterback. I'm talking about yes. sitting in a pocket. I right. only saw him leave the pocket maybe twice, yeah. three times. How many rushes did he have? Couldn't be more than four, five. He had three carries for seven yards. Yeah, so he just he stayed in and dealt. <laughs> and Andy Ludwig said, okay. you stay in and you deal. Well, I think that we're going to have to say – that the best thing that happened to Tyler Huntley oh my is gosh. Andy Ludwig. Think about how he the feels best. after this game as compared to some of these games where he's had 18 carries. His when, body's got to be black and blue after some of those things. Think about the games that he had in the past two well, years prior to this see, when he was the leading rusher, not just in yards, but in carries. This is what's When you had Zach Moss standing in the backfield. This is what's maddening to me. It's maddening. Well, I was breaking down Tom Brady's numbers and his years of starts and years of 16 of 16 eligible games. Out of 18 years, one of them which had 14 games because he took over two games in, Mm -hmm. he's gone 16 of the 18 years playing all available regular season games. Why? Because coaches manicure a system that keeps him upright and healthy. So, Frank, I love how you said you said the, the best thing that could have happened for Tyler Huntley. This is what this does for Utah fans is this more ensures that he's going to be around for Arizona State, for Cal, and on down the line. And that to you should be a the way he's in the pocket dealing should be a very good thing. No question about it. The health of Tyler Huntley is now, at this point, based on the way that he's playing, the health of Tyler Huntley is critically important to the continued success of Utah's offense. And that's, that's just the strides that he's made, the strides that he's taken 
in in the quarterback position group. And and I mean, I just it's it's gr- it's fun to watch. It's great to watch. I love to see it. Here's a guy that has all the you know has had all the talent, all the abilities, has lived under these enormously high expectations, and has tried to operate in the past few years under a system that didn't complement necessarily his talents and forced him into making plays that he was just used to making because that's what he's done his whole life. And now he, he finally finds himself under a system and under a coach that says, hey, we're going to utilize the talent that we have available and that's, you know, in the offensive backfield, Zach Moss and those guys. We're going to establish the run game, and we're going to protect our quarterback, and we're going to let him shine. We're going to teach him how to stand in the pocket, and we're going to teach him how to keep his eyes upfield as he's scrambling away. And when he needs to use his athleticism, we're going to teach him how to do that appropriately. And I'm tell- I'm, it's just it's amazing to watch. It's almost like a transformation at the quarterback position for Tyler Huntley, the way that he's playing and the way that the things that he's asked to do and the way that he executes. His improvements are dramatic. His improvements are really dramatic. Now, Oregon State, with a defensive inability to get to the quarterback, and Utah's offensive line did fantastic tonight. I do want to make note of this because I've had multiple questions come in regarding Orlando Omana, the starting center for the University of Utah. He will be back for Arizona State. He will not have to sit out against Arizona State because the offense happened in the first half of that game. He will not have to serve another half against Arizona State. So he'll be back and starting against Arizona State. As far as the penalty itself, and do I believe it was justified, his ejection was justified, it's always going to be hard for me as an offensive lineman to say that that's justified. I'm supposed to go and support my quarterback or support my running back or support my team. I'm supposed to go and block until the whistle, and I'm talking all the way until the whistle is blowing. Like, it's really hard to penalize an offensive lineman that's trying to get around to clean things up. It's really hard. So I look at him like, gosh, dang it, just turn your shoulder and take the crown of your helmet out of that thing. Yeah. You know, I watched the Oklahoma-Texas game earlier today, and yeah. it, the Oklahoma linebacker was chucked because a dude was trying to slide, and he dropped his helmet down on the back. All, all I'm saying is these guys understand that when they drop the crown of their helmet, the potential of being ejected is there. Turn the helmet, throw the shoulder, clean up with the shoulder. Do I like the call? No, I don't like the call. Is the call right by the books? Yes, by the books. Even though the shoulder did hit, mm-hmm. by the books, the crown of the helmet led. But it, it, it really is a, it's a tough one to see football and offensive line head into that direction. You know how many times you could go back and watch film and say, oh, not crown of his head led. You, like you're going oh, up to the please. next, you're going up to the next, yeah. the next line of defense, and you're hitting a linebacker Absolutely. in his helmet with your helmet. There's no question. And the other thing that bothers me about that call is, look, I, I'm all for protecting players, no question about it, and especially above the shoulders. I mean, certainly we've seen all of the stuff on the concussions and everything else, and we want to make sure that as much as you can, you make the game safe for everybody. But come on, that play. Even with the crown of his helmet.
made contact with the shoulder pad of the opposing player, not like an egregious hit on the opposing player. And so now you have a situation where you take a guy and you strip an entire football game from him. And by the way, for most of us, Hans, yeah. we don't get to play after college. This yeah. is our very last, and, and you can't count the number of hours that these guys practice and prepare and train to play a football game. Yeah, year-round. It, it, for some, it may sound like a small thing, for 60 but minutes. stripping that game away, I mean, a lot of us, we would kill for the opportunity to do that one more time. Yeah. And, and, and then you take that away for, for, for a penalty in, in that particular situation that I thought was pretty light. The good news is Tuala had had a game under his belt at center, so he filled yeah. in just fine, and, and things that, all the trains ran on time, and it, and it looked really good. I've, I do have to go back, and I'll slow motion watch some of these things and, and give kind of a more detailed breakdown on this offensive line, but it, it sure looked good from the outset, from the exterior. It looked really good. There were a couple of early defensive plays that changed the flow of the game, and Frank, I want you to talk about the play that Bradley and I made that ended up being a, a, a pick six for Devin Lloyd. Well, you, you said that Bradley... He, he, you said that it felt like, well, I can't remember how you said it exactly, that the defensive line must have felt like they were in a straight jacket yeah. for the past several weeks. Yeah. Well, in a padded room. In a padded room. <laughs> that's a, but that's it's a true. Horrible, horrible thought. But well, you come, to, you come to caged animals and you're like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to rush smart. We're going to rush to an area and put our, and you're like, what? No. I want to eat somebody. No, no we're not no. eating anybody this no. week. No, I no. want to eat somebody. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I think the, the the proper coaching technique is, you know, to do, do what they've done. Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. No, it well, it, it, op- it opened up a little bit tonight, and Bradley and I just. I mean, he's very he's difficult to handle. Yeah. If you were an offensive lineman and you were lined up against him, wouldn't you just be shaking a little bit, like, oh man. What's going to happen tonight? How, I mean, you, it's an offensive line. You have to be you have to be right on top of your game. Yep. Because if you're not, any little mistake that you make, he'll take advantage of it. Yeah. And that on that particular play, he just sh- he shoved off the offensive lineman. He just got rid of him. Yeah. And then, as he's trying to rush the quarterback, able to get a hand up in the air to deflect a pass, and. Into the and, and knock it away, and here comes Lloyd to make the interception and, and score. So just it, it was just one of those plays where you watch him, and when you watch him in slow motion, it's even more impressive. Because the way that he manages the offensive yeah. line, he gets rid of him, and then gives himself a free lane to the quarterback where he knocks the ball away. So I see some things that set Bradley apart from other defensive ends that I watch, but one of the most noticeable, recognizable things that Bradley does, when when he has the opportunity, he plays angry. Like somebody took his chocolate bar when he when he was young. Like he plays mad, ticked off. You see, gives extra shoves, extra effort, extra hit, extra pop. Like 
when he's playing, he just plays mad, and I love that about him. Mm-hmm. You want that kind of anger and venom. I had a teammate like that, and it elevated everybody's game. When that dude was ticked off, it was like, well, we're all ticked off because we're going to get his back, and he's ticked, so we're all going to play mad. You, you always remember those guys. Yeah. Way back when, there was a guy that played for the University of Utah linebacker. He's out of Louisiana named Kim Lambert. He was big, tough, mean, mean, nasty, greatest guy around. But, but he, he, you know, he would figure out a way to get a personal foul penalty every game. And that was, that was the, the, the flame that lit the torch yeah, for the team. The calling card for because he an was, angry team. Yeah, because he, he was out there and he, was, he wanted it that badly. Yeah. Johnny Paul played that way. He did. Johnny Paul was not afraid to take a 15-yard penalty to set the tone for the game. As long as it was a worth it penalty. As long as it was a worth it yeah. penalty. I watched him follow people out of bounds to make a hit. He yeah. ran all the way across the field. He was not going to let that hit go. Yep. And he, he took the end, and then the team rallied around that. Yeah. I mean, there were guys. You know who else played like that? Oh, I loved. I loved watching him play. You could count on a, a personal foul every week. Chris Kimoyatu. Offensive guard. He, Did he play guard or tackle? I, he played both during his time. Yeah. But he he wrecked people. Yeah. And the whistle was meaningless to him. <laughs> <laughs> meaningless to him. <laughs> he was going to complete the play on his time, not on the whistle's time. He, he had to hear the F word and his name together <laughs> in order for him to stop. But you know what? Guys like that set the tone. There are times when we watch football games. I mean, we probably watched a game today when, when you thought and maybe I thought somebody needs, to, somebody needs to step up. Yeah. Somebody needs to take the banner of this team and stuff it into the 50-yard line and say, this is where we make a stand and this is how we do it. And that's Bradley and I. That's right. That is Bradley and I. Absolutely it is. 855-340-9663. If you are out there and you want to weigh in, Phone lines are open. That's 855-340-9663. Frank, I want you to take us into Zach Moss's game. His numbers, his identity, uh, and then your thoughts on, geez, what he did tonight. I'm really, I'm really concerned about Zach Moss. I think we, we all should be concerned about Zach Moss. Are you not? No, because on an 80-yard run, I think he ran out of gas about the (laughs) 10-yard line. It looked like he pulled a hamstring or he went into a hitch step or something. He had a little hitch in his giddy up. It it looked like he was being very conservative in his stride. Get in! He went and it's like he he pulled the chute early. Yeah, and he was lucky that his momentum carried him in there. But how about that run? He breaks off the left side, spins right here. Bam. Spins off a tackler, and then it's to the house. I mean, and look at this guy go. We're watching the replay here. And there is 10-yard line. He pulled the shoot. He, he pulled did. the shoot. He was looking around to see if he was going to get tackled. That was a fantastic run. Here's a guy, Zach Moss, who hasn't played in three weeks. He carried the ball five times. Perfect. Because in those five runs, yeah. what did the NFL scouts say? That's enough. Oh, yeah, that's a guy. That's it. Okay, put that guy back on the board. That's all we needed. That's all we need. Five yeah. carries, 121 yards, a whopping 24.2 yards 
per carry, the long of 91, and uh, two touchdowns on the night. He was for Zach beautiful. Miles. So when I say he was just beautiful, so when I right. say Utah can manage their running game without Zach Moss, it's a very good running game without Zach Moss. But Zach Moss makes you elite. Yeah, I think he showed that tonight. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three. We're going to take a quick one here at the point after in Murray at the Sports Mall. Man. We're just dialing up some more wings, man. We're going to have some more of these Mexican candy wings. We're going to get into some of these fries. Get to, have, did you, have you tried the nachos? The, the chili verde nachos? Delicious. Yeah. All of it. Oh, man. Very good here at the Should point after. Should be illegal. So come on down, hang out with us. We'll come right back. We're going to get more into this. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Utah's efficiency, and then we're also going to talk about how Utah uses this game and how they respond to this game. Because sometimes a 52-7 to beatdown can be a little bit distracting. Or sometimes it can be useful. So we'll ask Frank how Kyle Whittingham uses this game to motivate his guys. That's all coming up next on your Utah postgame show. 97.5, 12 the zone. Motion, Isaiah Hodgins. And a screen for Tajon Lindsay is tipped and intercepted. Utah comes away with it. Devin Lloyd down the field. Devin Lloyd headed for the end zone. Devin Lloyd, touchdown Utah. Their third defensive touchdown on the season. Such a great drive that Oregon State had going. But here Jake Luton, bad pass deflected into the air. And a convoy of youths leading him all the way for the touchdown. We got to take a special look at this Utah defense because it was spectacular from the onset. Whoa. It was elite, deadly, dangerous, ab- ab- abusive, abrasive, and extremely effective. Uh, Frank, yeah, you were talking about how Oregon State really likes to set up things with their run. In fact, they're number twenty-two in the country. In total offense, mm-hmm. they're number 31 in the country in rushing yards. They average 215 yards a game. I know. So they want to come out and establish the run. Yeah. I don't know if you've got the box score in front of you, but yeah, how I many do. rushing yards did Oregon State end up with? And talk about the, guy, the, the players that showed up to shut this run down. Well, it started play number one. When Lecky Fotu broke through the line of scrimmage yeah. and shut down whatever Oregon State was trying to do. Couldn't even tell what they were trying to do they at that c- point. Couldn't tell because he was so disruptive. You know what? That's the thing. Is it doesn't matter if what you're running. It doesn't matter what offense you run. It doesn't matter what play you run. It doesn't matter if it's a run or a pass. If you're disruptive at the line of scrimmage, everything becomes a gamble. And that's exactly what Utah was tonight. Disruptive at the line of scrimmage. Oregon State averaging well over 200 yards per game. Yep. 215. And 5.7 yards per carry. Good enough to tie for the top rushing average per play in the conference. Jeez. Ran the ball for a grand total of 48 yards tonight and a 2.2 yards per carry average. 
That's a whoopie. That's Utah. a trench whooping. You, you, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's a trench whooping yeah. because Oregon State could never get on track. Running backs were changed. Their their paths were changed in the offensive backfield. They never got to the. They never could get to the line of scrimmage. And then when they did get to the line of scrimmage, here came Francis Bernard. Yeah. And here came Devin Lloyd. And here came a slew of defensive backs. Helping in the in run stoppage. Uh, here came Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I want to say yeah. it was maybe the first series and might have been the first play. They they uh, tried to break to the outside and Jalen came up and made a tackle for a one yard gain. <laughs> like it was it was safeties, it was backers, it was line. Everybody had run lane responsibilities and they were able to jam it up. Um, Frank, could you take us into the numbers of this? Daunted, incredible, ten plus catch, a hundred plus a game receiver. Yeah, that Oregon State. Yeah, has. and and you know I thought that I he thought might that, be right on the number that Scotty set for the over under. I thought that Isaiah Hodgins was he is he's fantastic. He's their best weapon. He ended the night with eight receptions for seventy seven yards, nine point six yard. Average. That's not bad. It's not bad. That's not bad. It's actually a good night for a receiver. That's not. Yeah. I mean, you would say you would say that's a good night for a mm-hmm. receiver, but it's not a great night for that guy. That's the that's the thing is is Utah made it extremely difficult on one of the very top receivers in the conference. And well, and his it, long was seventeen. There was nothing behind him. And so he's been yeah. So he's been averaging. 8.6 receptions a game. So he's right under his average in receptions a game. He's also averaging 126.4 yards per game. So he's somewhere close to, what, 12, 13 yards per catch? 12 yards per catch? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is a guy that I thought he was going to get his catches. I thought he would have up around 10 catches yeah. because they were going to target him. Did Scotty set it at 8? What the over He under, said it. He I took it 8.5. It may have been and I took the over on that. I yeah. thought they were going to try and and try and get to, get the ball to him, over but under it was going to be interesting on Thursday. It was the same thing that Utah just through their their scheme and strategy and the matchups. Yeah. They were able to limit his productivity. No touchdowns on the night. So their most productive receiver was 50 yards below his average in terms of yardage for the night. 855-340-9663 to jump on the post-game show. If you're out there driving around, you got questions or you just want to cheer on Utah or some thoughts that you want to get across, 855-340-9663. One guy that we don't see any stats from, I want you to talk about Brian Thompson, yeah. and I want you to talk about Utah's wide receivers. What did you think of them tonight? Well, Br- Brian Thompson got targeted a couple times, didn't make a catch on the night. It's, I, I think that Brian Thompson's the most talented, but it's not. this isn't necessarily an offense designed around featuring talent, you, the, you know, finding a way to get to the ball to the – to that guy or scheming around one particular guy. It's, a, it's, it's designed an offense that's designed around a lot of very good football players, very good receivers, and then 
figuring out the weakness of the defense, going through your progression, and making good decisions with the football. You can hardly argue with that. So in this particular football game, Damari Simpkins rises to the top. He has four receptions, 97 yards, 24.3 yards per catch with a long of 54. Samson Nakua had a had three catches tonight, 46 yards, 15-yard average, had the touchdown, a very good touchdown catch. Keithy had two receptions. One of those was a touchdown catch. Beautiful catch in the seam. Derek Vickers had two catches. Uh, what, what was the distance on that touchdown reception for Keithy? Was that the 23-yarder? I think that was 23 yards for Keithy into the end zone. That was his long of the night on his two catches. 21 yards. It was a beautiful catch. It was. Seam route. Throw, ball thrown slightly behind him, and he was able to make the grab. Vickers, two catches. Solomon Enos, two catches. Jalen Dixon, a catch. Or excuse me, Solomon Enos, only one catch. And Jordan Wilmore, a catch. So that's the 14 completions. Now, here's the other thing. Utah only threw the ball 17 times. So it's trying to spread around 14 catches. I mean, they, sp- they spread around with seven different guys. Seven different guys mm-hmm. caught the ball. But that's not a ton of throws to get the ball all over the field. So Brian Thompson, who I still believe is the most talented, the most explosive receiver on the team, <laughs> doesn't end up with a catch tonight. In, and, but, but he doesn't end up with a catch tonight. And do you say, well, Utah was really lacking in some? No, because Utah was dominant, still dominant in the passing game. Yeah. So whatever schematically Utah, the strategy going into that game and the way Utah executed it, that was the right strategy. That worked out almost perfectly for Utah. Zach Moss was definitely on a pitch count, ended up with five carries on 121 yards. So there has to be a lot of distribution across some other backs. I want you to talk about the other backs, their distribution. Um, I, I, I thought that some of the distribution was interesting. <laughs> carries went where I didn't expect them to go, and guys who I expected to get carries didn't get them. Well... I, as I'm looking over this, so Jordan Wilmore ends up with the highest number of carries on the night, 12. And I think they were trying to figure out a way to get Wilmore some work. He had a good night, 59 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, had a very powerful run for a touchdown, dragging a guy into the end zone. So he's averaging just under five yards a carry. That's pretty darn good. TJ Green had nine carries. 38 yards, 4.2-yard average. Devin Brumfield had 10 carries. Uh, Not quite as productive. 37 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. Tyler Huntley with the three carries, and Jason Shelley had one carry. But I'm not seeing... I thought that Devontae Henry Cole had a carry in that game. I did, too. And I'm not showing that... I'm not seeing that in the stat line. I wonder if... Brian, any insight there? If that might have been a mistake. Brian's back in studio. But He's I'm sh- producing I, the night. I'm sure that Devontae, I, I'm sure that we saw, or it may have been called back on a penalty. He, Yeah, but, he had a carry, but I think it went back uh, like it was a negative loss or on a penalty or something like that. It so. must have been a penalty because he's not showing up in the stat line Yeah, on the 42 carries on the night. That's the other thing. Utah ran the ball 42 times, 256 yards, over six yards per carry. 
Yeah, in the official dominating effort. In the official stat logs, he has two carries for negative one yards, so not not his best night tonight. Gotcha. Okay, well, Devontae Hendrickle did get in there, but but what does that tell you about this running back group? I'm not I'm not saying that they're interchangeable. I in fact I I I don't believe they're interchangeable, especially when Zach Moss is in the game. But what does that tell you about that depth of that running back group? Yeah. A lot of good running backs and uh, I, I think some high-quality reps. And I think you could tell there's some good coaching going on there. Yeah. You could tell that these guys are well-coached. You know who else I'm really impressed with right now? I'm really impressed with Colton Swan. I'm impressed with Colton Swan. New linebackers coach, came from Weber State, took over a, a depleted linebacker group. He's kept them healthy. Healthy. He's kept them in position, and he's kept them making big plays. I think Francis Bernard leading the team in sacks, and I think Devin Lloyd is he's second or third. Devin Lloyd. Oh, right. sorry, not sacks. Tackles. Tackles. Yeah. Yeah. So Devin Lloyd actually is leading the team in tackles, and Francis Bernard is one tackle behind him coming into this game. Okay. And 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 this is a this was the there were there were the two groups that I had concerns about coming into this football season. For, for, for this football team. One was the offensive line. We, we never really got settled on that offensive line through fall camp. And that, that unit looked pretty good tonight. And then it was the linebackers. Linebackers because they lost a projected starter before the season began. Yep. Manny Bowen. Bowen had, had uh, business opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then... That took away all of the depth at the linebacker position. Plus you lost two starters. Plus you lost two starters a year ago. So it was very iffy with that linebacker group. Well, I, I like Not just you two said, starters, but, you know, one, what was he, fourth, Cody Barton, what was he, fourth round draft pick? Yeah. Yeah. And then Chase Hansen was, was for, all everything for the University yeah, of Utah. Yeah, Th- Those are two big names to lose, man. Super difficult. And Colton coming in new because Justin Inna goes and takes the D coordinator position at Utah State. Yeah, And Colton Swan comes in and he's like, give him to me. I remember showing up first day of spring football mm-hmm. and watching him and thinking, oh, well, it's they're not losing any excitement here. <laughs> I mean, Justin is a, Justin's a hard man. And Colton picked it up right where he left off. Yeah. He's done a fantastic job. Clearly, he's done a fantastic job. I think rarely do we say things like, well, the you know, linebackers were out of position. Rarely do we say things yeah. like, we're, we're missing something in the middle. We're losing coverage. We're, do, we're not filling a gap. Right. Rarely do we say that. They haven't been abused by tight ends. They haven't yeah. been abused by seams. They haven't been... They find they, themselves in the right position to make no, plays. There's no quick stop curls or stuff stuff like that on third and one or third and two that you're like, whoa! How did you not reckon... You know, it just seems like they're really well coached and Francis really Bernard well prepared. has two pick sixes on the year. And Devin Lloyd now has one. Yeah. That's... Yeah. And, and those two guys are among your leading tacklers. They're great, man, and and I know that you've got an amazing defensive front. In front Absolutely, of you. but it, Absolutely. It, that was one thing that we talked about. Remember going into the season, I said, "Well, you can do a lot when you've got one of the best back ends and one of the best front ends right. in college football." But they're doing more than a lot, man. They're doing more than just their mm-hmm. job. Like you mentioned, you've got three pick sixes between the two of them, 
and you got multiple big plays and big moments. So Colton Swan deserves a lot of credit for getting those linebackers ready. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break here at the point after Bar and Grill. Come on down and see us. Beautiful place to hang out, man. TVs everywhere, two floors of great experience, pool tables, back patios, fire pits, incredible place to come hang out. And Frank and I will be down here for a little bit. So come down, grab a meal, join us, listen to some football talk, watch some more football as things are wrapping up here with Boise State and other teams on the big screens here. We're going to come back and tell you how Utah uses this Oregon State game, how they can ensure that there's not some oversight, maybe a big-headed moment where you have a USC letdown because you've got a very tough Arizona State team sitting in front of you. We'll talk about that all coming up next, 97.5, 12 into the zone. this drive and they'll run it with Wilmore spins it back in fighting his way toward the goal line dragging Jalen Moore into the end zone touchdown Utah some hard goes running for the freshman Wilmore his first career touchdown Frank is making fun of my dog's pirate outfit for Halloween. He said it's stupid and I'm stupid for doing it. Please tell him to stop. Cease and desist. Um, you've Do you aff- name your dog Baxter? You've offended me. And I'm not even kidding. You've offended me and I'm really upset about it. I in the break, well, you and I shared a really lovely evening. Our wives came and we hung out and we shared stories and I showed you a picture of my French bulldog in a mm-hmm. pirate outfit. Mm-hmm. For, he got it for Halloween, and he's going to be a pirate. Don't say it things has like a, that. It has a little hook, don't a little say, pirate's hook. Don't it's got, say things it's like got he the got cap, it for Halloween. It's got the captain's your hat dog, with the, the does skull your dog and crossbones. Even understand the concept of Halloween. He, this will be his fifth Halloween does dressing under, up in a costume. Really, you've done it for five years. Yes. And wow. he loves to dress up in Halloween I, costumes. I thought it was terrible that you did it one year. Look and at his now face. It's five times worse. Tell me he hasn't completely taken on the character of a pirate. Look at his face. He's looking at you like Arr, I'm going out for a doggy's. He's treat. a uh, bulldog. You could dress him up as a turtle and his face would look like he was trying to be a turtle. He's a bulldog. How can you not appreciate a French bulldog in a sticking cute Halloween outfit? Even Scotty G, who hates dogs. I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> and I'm going to say that 99.9% of the people listening think it's, at a, at a very minimum, funny that you dressed your dog up as a pirate. And that you said he. this is the fifth year that he's had a Halloween costume. I'm going to say this with all due respect. And you're the .01% that doesn't think it's funny. You're lame. (laughs) All due respect, you're lame. You know what? And I dislike you tonight. At least you said with all due respect. (laughs) Well, because this is absurd that you would attack me over this. I'm not attacking Your you. Your wife thought it was the most adorable. She thought it was adorable. She just lying? She was winking. She had her fingers crossed. I'm, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm right. sure of it. I am very disgusted I'm by sure you. Of it. But you, that should have, you should have dressed your dog up like a beaver. Speaking of beavers, 
but that doesn't mean how that about Utah? You and I can't talk about football. Yeah. That's and, right. Let's keep and this at professional. Least be on the same page when it comes to football, even though you're disgusting with your dog outfit hatred, you low level puke. I want you to I want you to apologize to me. You know what? I used to apologize. I used to be a classic apologizer. Like I would apologize for everything, but then I learned this lesson. I learned this lesson from someone who's sitting less than two feet away from me right now. And the lesson was, I don't apologize. <laughs> That's not. I did not teach you that. Hey, and then you jump on Brian, one of the nicest men I know. He's got a beautiful lab, and he loves to put him in a Paul Millsap jersey. And you jumped him for putting him in a Paul Millsap. You know what? We got to move on because I'm just, Man. the more I talk about it, the more I can't respect you. Like, I just, I want to shut down the show and walk away because I'm just, I'm beside myself with your ridiculousness we hating on dogs in outfits we don't have to agree okay but we can still you know we can still okay. have a relationship we can still get along okay let's be do friendly this. and we can talk about football let's do this because we I, agree I, on football i do have some things that i want to talk about 855-340-9663 if you're driving around you want to jump on and talk some utah football feel free to do it um so we saw utah Earlier on in the season, opened the season against BYU, beat up NIU pretty badly, beat Idaho State 31 to nothing, feeling really confident and good about themselves, and lost to a, a USC team that I still don't know what they are. I mean, they gave Notre Dame a little bit of run for their money tonight, but they lost to a USC team. So what I'm asking you now is they put a whooping on Washington State, they had a bye week to hang around. They put a 52-7 to beatdown on Oregon State. How does Kyle Whittingham manage this team? And how does he manage this win? And how does he keep guys focused? Yes. It's one of the great things about Kyle Whittingham. One of the things I think he does extremely well is, well, I should mention another thing. I always feel like at some point, Kyle Whittingham's team feel a lot like Kyle Whittingham. Like they're just kind of gritty and they, they do what it takes to get the job done, do their jobs, never quit, never give up, you know, bring your lunch pail to work, kind of blue collar attitude. And, and that, he's won a lot of games. He's won a lot of games with that kind of culture, the culture that he's created that's his, his very own personality. And now Utah seemed to maybe maybe they you know we've always we've always wanted uh, an offense to go along with the defense and maybe maybe that's the progression for this Utah football program is that the offense is kind of coming along in that area. So, but the 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 thing about Coach Whittingham is he treats preparation week in and week out the same and. He has a plan, he has a process, and he follows that process each and every week. There's a plan for Monday. Mm-hmm. There's a plan for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Get on the plane, go, you know, get ready for the game. And the players know it. Yeah. And they know what to expect. And so in a, in a high like this, a win like this, you enjoy it tomorrow. And Monday, you're back to work. 
and had the had the tables turned and Utah figured out a way not to win this game. They would think about it on Sunday and then Monday it was time to get to it's time to get to work. So no matter the situation, win, lose, draw, his process stays the same. And I think that kind of expectation for players, knowing what your day is going to be like, knowing how you're going to prepare each and every week, and then having some success back to back it up, that's really comforting. And, and I, would, I fully suspect and expect this team to be ready to play a very big game next weekend. Can you use USC as a reference point of negativity? Can you? Will Kyle do that? Will he say, "Hey, we don't want to have another"? Does he use that? I think there's. Is it a reference part, point? Yeah. Is it helpful that you've got that? Yes. Out of your system. So you know, after that game with USC, because I didn't think Utah's non-conference schedule did a lot to prepare them to play that game against USC. And so the USC loss, although it's not a loss I think Utah had to take, it was a loss that, that maybe is beneficial for Utah because you figure out in that game what it really, what, what, uh, you know, what it means to play at game speed, what it means to face adversity, what it means to keep your head and stay relaxed and stay focused under difficult circumstances. And so if, if that loss generated that outcome for Utah where they could manage all of these things and understand what it was like to play in really competitive, a really competitive football game, then, you know, may, maybe that's the positive that you can take out of that. But certainly that's, that's something that, that Coach Whittingham has, hasn't forgotten, and I think he wants his team to have that same sense of, listen, we have a real opportunity here. We, we kind of control our, our own destiny. Um, we, we still need a little bit of help, but if we take care of what we need to take care of each and every week, then we're going to give ourselves a really good opportunity to, to accomplish all of our goals and to, and to reach that, the pinnacle in the, in the Pac-12, which would be the Rose Bowl game. Where they look tonight, it, it, did it feel like that's the path that they're on? I mean, does it... It it felt like tonight. It just felt like everything was set in a rhythm that was sustainable. It, it showed depth because you lost your center in the second or first or second offensive series. Mm-hmm. It showed resilience because you've got such depth in the running back position where Moss came in and gave you five carries, but then you had three other reliable hands to give you carries. It showed expertise in the pocket. It, I know it was against one of the lesser teams in the conference, at least defensively. Yeah. But yeah. It, fe- it feels like that this is sustainable. Like they could do this against Arizona State, not this kind of blowout. But they can sustain an offensive drive. They can push the run. They're going to be able to, I think they'll be able to move against this Arizona State front. I think they'll be able to manage clock. They'll come out as time of possession leader. I think the way I felt over the last two games, Washington State and this game against Oregon State, I just get the sense that it's sustainable. 
I feel I feel the same way. Because you've got depth everywhere. Yeah. Yes. You've got a great backup tight end. You've got two great back backup wide receivers. You've right. got two backup running backs. You've got a backup center. The, the one thing you can't afford is Tyler Huntley, but look what they've done for him. No kidding. They're saying, well, what we're not going to do is we're not going to lose him, and this is going to be a Brian Johnson yeah. type. Yeah. yeah. Where we can still highlight our quarterback, but we're not putting him in, at risk. And it just feels like it's sustainable like this. Like if, if we would have seen 16 carries tonight from Huntley and him as the leading rusher, and there's just questions there. It's like, well, yeah. can you do this every night? You can't. Can you? But this is doable. Absolutely. This is very doable. I mean, there are going to be uh, certainly games when, when Tyler Huntley is going to have to be uh, a runner, and he has that ability. But, it, but I don't think we're going to be in those games anymore where, where – Tyler Huntley is at this significant risk every time he takes a snap, and he's certainly he's he's had this the injury bug over his career here at Utah. So the way that Utah's managing the offense right now, and the productivity that they're showing, and the talent that they have in the offensive backfield, yeah, I think it's all very sustainable. Arizona came into this weekend, and they're they're in a tight one against Washington right now. By the way, Washington hasn't had great success in the past twelve years in the state of Arizona. They're at Arizona, up 13-10 to 10 in the second quarter. Arizona sits on top of the Pac-12 south. But I think Arizona is a very beatable football team, even with Khalil Tate. Now, Khalil Tate runs an offense more like what Tyler Huntley used to run, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Khalil Tate maybe take a ding at some point. Arizona State had a pretty big win tonight. Against Washington State, they're up there second in the Pac-12 South, and but they still have to play Arizona. Colorado took another loss against Oregon. Uh, USC, uh, they were in the non-conference game tonight, and so they're two and th- is that right? Uh, three and three on the year. So this, to, to me, as I look across the rest of Utah's schedule. Uh, very, it's very manageable. Very manageable. Arizona State, winnable game. No question about it. Cal, winnable game. At Washington, the way Washington's played, winnable game. Mm-hmm. UCLA, yeah, that's a winnable game. At Arizona, I think Arizona's beatable. Colorado has shown themselves to be beatable. I look across the rest of Utah's schedule. And I would have to say that Utah's the favorite in all of those games, maybe even including the game at Washington. As long as there's not a knucklehead performance. Oh, yeah. And that's the that's a big question mark, right? Is there going to be this knucklehead performance? Okay, so take Washington out of there and put it where USC is and take USC and put it where Washington is. And yeah. We'd say oh, everything's winnable. Everything, yeah. That's right. But then there's this weird USC oh, kink. Man. So they've got to make sure they don't have any more kinks. But it sure looked straightened out tonight. All right, Frank, let's wrap this thing up with our thoughts here. Utah, Oregon State, it just felt like it was a dominant performance from the outset. The very first snap with Lecky Foto blown into the backfield, Jalen Johnson getting a tackle for a one-yard gain. 
that defense getting a quick stop, the offense getting the ball, taking it the length of the field, some quick scores, some big throws, some really solid pockets, some great running lanes, some good depth. You got youth that got to play late. It was dominant. It was a beautiful game plan. It was well executed, and it was exactly what you need. And now it's up to Kyle Whittingham and his coaching staff to utilize it the right way to get you motivated and ready for Arizona State to not have a letdown. Your final thoughts on this Utah-Oregon State game? I had some questions going into this game about, you know, was this Utah football team real? They had a great, you know, the tough loss, great win against Washington State and have had some trouble with Oregon State. Oregon State seemed to be on the rise a little bit, feeling pretty good about themselves. I think Utah tonight answered all of those questions, and I'll say it again, like I said, against Washington State. If Utah continues to play this way, now two weeks in a row, Washington State and Oregon State, if Utah continues to play this way, they are going to be a very tough out the rest of the way in. And out, outside of a, you know, what, you, what you say is kind of a knucklehead performance, this is a Utah team that has all of, the, all of the ability and all of the talent to go through the rest of this schedule and find themselves not only in the championship game but contending for that, for that Rose Bowl. Well, keep it tuned here to 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network throughout the week. Remember, Frank Dolce will be back on Thursday for the Utah Preview Show. Two hours taking a look at this Utah-Arizona State game. And he's also going to be on the station throughout the week. I know you do hits with DJ and PK. You do hits at the big show. Yeah, all the guys. Hey, guess what? I'm actually going to be filling in on Friday morning. With PK from nice. 8 to 10 a.m. Very, very good. So I, I don't know. David James, I think, has his third. It's his third or fourth three-week vacation of the year that he's taking. <laughs> and so I'm filling in for him. That dude deserves it, man. I can't believe how much that guy How works. much does that guy I work? I don't know, man. I don't know how he does it. I don't know either. I, like, I, I'm sure he's, he's up doing a hit right now. Like, he's, 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 always, he's always working. He's always busy. He is always busy. A TV and hit. working and... And, by the way, he's, like, a really nice guy. He's yeah, not. He yeah, not I love like him. A, we yeah. ran into DJ, uh, to, to PK and Gordon yeah. tonight. How about that? Yeah, it was awesome to see them there out watching the game and, and having a lot of fun. But keep it tuned to 97.5, 12 into the zone. You'll hear Frank throughout the week. We'll keep you updated and ready to go. I'll have highlights and breakdowns coming up Monday at noon. Listen to Scotty and I, noon to 3. And you can follow Frank Dolce at the human detour on twitter he's going to give you some good utah insight throughout the week as well as he breaks down some of these numbers and takes a look at this team you got a good team in front of you utah and you got a lot of time left that's what's nice you're halfway through this season still plenty of games plenty of fun to be had frank and i'll be hard at work crunching numbers evaluating huntley evaluating moss and watching this team very closely with you but remember 6 a.m. Monday morning, right here on 97.5, 12 at the Zone in the Zone Sports Network.